Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. I got into this because of the business opportunity, but also because I felt like there weren't a lot of Black women in the space. The majority of the owners, whether it's cultivators or retailers, it's white men. And I like a challenge, so that's what got me excited about it. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Thank you. Thanks for joining us again today. We have another great Boston daughter, mother, canna story. And I don't know if you guys can tell, I do actually have a theme for the month. It's all Massachusetts women. Nice. Not just that randomness. Yeah, wicked good local shows. Love it. It's a it's a wicked good local shows with wicked smart girls. So wicked, we're gonna do some smart. smart. Yeah. Jimmy Tingle once told me I was wicked smart, so I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about that another day. Yeah, that's right. that's like getting blessed by the Pope right there. It is yeah. basically. He said I had a good laugh and I was wicked smart. I was like, oh my god, Jimmy Tingle. Jimmy okay. Tingle was was <laughs> originally the Andy Rooney figure on on sixty minutes two, which was short lived. And he was he he struggled with whether he should use his Boston accent or not. But it's kind of his thing. You have a weird little understanding of Jimmy Tingle. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know Jimmy. Yeah, I know Jimmy. All right. So before we begin, I want to share with you two different pieces of clothing that I really love, and I think you will too. So first, I got this adorable pink sweatshirt from this nonprofit group that has the same mission as the Canna Mom Show, and it is called Canna Moms Are Good Moms Too. Wow. And 
I know, right? It's true. And mm-hmm. look at this. It's a pink little sweatshirt with this adorable logo that no one can see because we are a radio show. But it says Canna Moms are good moms, too. And there's a couple little cannabis leaves. And it comes in lots of different colors. And if you are a Canna Mom and want to support this great group, go onto their website. Of course, it'll be in the show notes because you can get one of those, too, and T-shirts. So I like that. It's the, the logo is subtle. Yeah, and it's pretty. Yeah. And the other one, I have I have a clubhouse friend, all my virtual friends. I'm going to have to meet them someday. But my club, my close clubhouse friend, Nidia, who I'm not sure I'd recognize in person, has a great T-shirt line, which she does with her son. I think he's very young. I think he's like seven or eight. And it's called Got Terpenes. And they design the sayings themselves. And this is the one I got about moms. They come with like grandma, daughter, sister. But this one says... Can read it. It's it says just a black cannabis, t-shirt. cannabis plus the the plus symbol. Cannabis plus mom. Something equal quality time. Exactly. Oh, okay. Canna, cannabis plus mom equals quality time. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Words to live by. It's a simple t-shirt, black. It's got a you know mm. I like wearing t-shirts because it makes people ask me questions and we can get into this conversation because this is how we're crushing the cannabis stigma. Yes. yes. All right. My, so. my T-shirt has uh, song lyrics on it. Can you see it? It's, I'm sorry it has nothing to do with Tommy, cannabis. don't. <laughs> Tommy used to work on the docks. Janie's got a gun. Josie's on a vacation far away. They're all 80s uh, lyrics. Yeah. Our era. That's our right. era. So go online, check out, and support these other strong cannon moms because together we're crushing the stigma. And today, today we have a mother-daughter canister. Daughter canistory. I love these. <laughs> Oh, my God, Jimmy, you're in my head. Our guest today. <laughs> she, she brought a daughter along. Our guests today are a young, ambitious woman with a background in real estate and her mom, who is her safety and strategy advisor and also a medical doctor. And together, they are building a black woman-owned cannabis dispensary in Massachusetts, and they are here today to share how they are doing that together. Please welcome to The Canna Mom Show, Nikki John and Dr. Robin Reed. Welcome Welcome, ladies. Thank you, both of you, for being here. Can you just introduce yourself so people get a sound of your voice? Nikki, you go first. Hi, I'm Nikki. Hi, I'm Robin. It's nice to be here. It's good to have you. All right, so let's just start. So I have a strong Northeastern University connection. I have, like, generations of people in Boston, and we know how good connections are. It's important, especially in this industry in a small city like Boston. And just wondering, how has Northeastern, I know both of you have a connection there. I maybe start with Nikki. How did Northeastern impact your life or sort of start you on this sort of business journey? Yeah, so I actually transferred to Northeastern and I went in as a psych major, left as a finance major, psych minor, and I went to the DeMore McKim School of Business. I joined the Idea Venture Accelerator, which was really helpful. I learned a lot about different things that I'm actually applying to my business. So finance, fundraising social um, impact investing, which is a course I took there. And yeah, just networking in general. That's great. And Dr. Robin, where, what's your connection? I actually taught at Northeastern in the physician assistant program and also did my MBA there. All right. So our good educational institution supporting this. Do you see a co-op coming out of this someday? A cannabis co-op. I'm looking forward to those. Um, (laughs) There will be. Well, my interns actually off topic. My interns are um, Northeastern students. So they're not co-ops technically, but I said, do you like cannabis? Do you like podcasting? Join my team. And I got a lot of applications. Can you imagine? Yes. <laughs> Shocker Definitely. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> college, college students, do you like cannabis? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So Nikki, you are trying to be, I think, the youngest dispensary owner in Massachusetts. Is that correct? 
if I move quick enough, but there's a lot of people coming behind me, youngest and one of the um, only 100% Black women owned. So very excited about that. And uh, just how old are you then? Just so people have a sense of. 29. Okay. All right. So, you know, she's young and ambitious. And why did you think you could do this? Like, well, I know how hard cannabis is. So what was it to start you? And how did you bring your mom in? Did it start as a team or was she brought in at some point? Yeah. So I did not know why I thought I could do this. I thought it was actually going to be really easy. I think I saw a Netflix um, show about someone opening it in Colorado. It's pretty scrappy. And I was like, I could do that. And then I got into it and I realized this is this is harder than I thought. So tomorrow we actually have a provisional hearing and that will be 833 days from the day I decided to start. So that just speaks to how long it really takes. What was the other part? Sorry. We're deciding to do this. Was this something you decided then realized it was tricky and you need your mom's help? Or was it something you decided as a team? Yeah, so I decided <laughs> to do it on my mom's suggestion, but then I realized I needed her help and her expertise. I usually lean on her for a lot of things, but it helps because she has that health background and the business background. She can always tell me if I'm being realistic and where I need to pivot. So it's really helpful to have a, a mom and a business partner. And before this, were you working in real estate? Is that how you sort of transitioned into this? Because cannabis really is real estate at this level. If you know anything about it nationally, it's, you know that's an enormous part of it. Yeah. So when I started, I had been doing real estate for about six years. And the hardest thing is finding a location. I'd end up being through networking that I was able to connect with a landlord who was interested in trying to go through the process. Because if you um, know anything about the process, they have to own the building outright and the holding costs can be expensive while you wait for, for that year to go by while you get your license. So that was the first step. And when I first approached it from the standpoint that I would a client, it was a lot harder, but when you step back and you network and you see who knows who, it made it a lot easier to find a spot. It's, I mean, I just talked to somebody who has a spot out in Brockton. It's kind of interesting, the community involvement, what, where you get pushback and where you don't and where you get help. So Dr. Robbins, so you're actually, you're working in, you're in the medical field. You're working, but just tell us a little bit about where you're working and yeah, just tell us a little bit about where you're working and then how you got connected to the business part of this. Yeah. As I mentioned, I was doing education for physician assistants and While Northeastern is where I had spent most of my time, I also taught at Tufts Physician Assistant Program, and they had um, an educational program program for cannabis for their students, which I found wonderful. It's like, yes, they should be teaching this because- And what what year was this? What year were they doing this? Do you remember? This was 2016. Also, I started adult use. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so they were talking about medicinal use at that time, of course. And um, trying to destigmatize it and to understand that people can use it for medical needs. And sometimes they're doing that themselves. And now that we had the medical cannabis at that time, you need to be able to understand as a clinician that it may be something that's helpful for your patients and not just the Marinol that had been around for nausea for a long time, but for other things. So you're very, so that's, actually, that's hopeful. That's actually helpful to hear. Cause I talked to the medical professionals are the missing piece, I think at this point. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I always felt like integrative medicine is really what all doctors should be trained in. So this was an easy leap for me. And when I saw it coming to recreational, I thought, Oh, well, this is something that my daughter would be interested in. And it's a catch 22 as physicians, because if you're prescribing marijuana, you can't be invested in it. You're not allowed to be an owner. So you have to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to be a prescriber or an investor. And a lot of people are still on the sidelines in both ways. 
I have a lot of them on the sidelines. And again, it's a, it's where are you going to get your knowledge and doctors seem willing to hear it from other doctors and nurses can hear from other nurses. And so it's just important to have this level of education so you, we can kind of spread the word faster because if we don't have medical professionals involved in this, it's, I mean, I don't know anything about my body. I don't, I don't really <laughs> understand how this works, but, and my doctor can't help me. So I just find this really um, hopeful when I hear more medical professionals are coming in. All right. So you're, so, so you're basically your relationship, Robin, Dr. Robin was with cannabis you understood it could help some of your patients and Nikki what was your relationship with cannabis at this point yeah so it I really don't know a ton about cannabis and that's the best part it the reason I got into this is because I think there should be access to it not because everybody in the industry needs to smoke every day but I do want to know and try my products so that I know the quality of them um so I've definitely used cannabis, but I wouldn't say I'm an avid user or um, I actually did my first dab like two weeks ago. I felt like it was a rite of passage before I, I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it was, I loved, I liked it a lot. So okay. we definitely need to carry different concentrates. Building the menu, I've leaned on a lot of my network to help me figure that out. So that's interesting. So a lot of my stories, almost all of them, you, the women have, the women stay in this industry because they've healed themselves or healed someone they love, because again, it is a really, really complicated, difficult industry to stay in. And if you don't truly believe in it, you're not going to keep going. So it sounds like you kind of, Nick, you came into this because it's a business opportunity, which is really kind of my story too. I came into this because I could see it was a growing industry and things happen, but you know, now I'm sort of here advocating a lot for it. So yeah. So you just saw, was it a business opportunity? Is that really how you started at the time? I got into this because of the business opportunity, but also because I felt like there weren't a lot of Black women in the space. There aren't a lot of Black women owners. The majority of the owners in this space, whether it's cultivators or retailers, it's white men. And I like a challenge. So that's what got me excited about it. That's that. I mean, that is the crux. I talk about this all the time. This should be a women's industry. It should actually be a Black woman's industry because a lot of these, the medicinal part of this was kept alive in that community um, for all these generations and people are getting in trouble and now we're coming forward and it's always about capital right? It's capital to get into this. So let's just jump into that. This is a very expensive industry to stay in. You were talking before about how you've had to hold on to your, you know, you have a piece of property, you've been in this for over 800 days. There's cost to associate to all of that. And you have to kind of keep up your morale that you hopefully this is going to come true. So let's just start with capital. How did, you know, how did you begin? And I, and you're trying to do this fully by yourself, right? You know, trying not to take any invest or like angel fund or I don't even know how they, I don't even, people, getting invested is very complicated in cannabis. Like I couldn't even get a checking account and I do a podcast. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely difficult. So getting started, trying to ask people who would be interested in investing, are they comfortable with being a part of the process? They have to get background checked. So it's not a matter of just me getting the money. It's the state and the city to know who they are and approve them. And then with the bigger institutions, banks aren't lending. Not all banks are. And if they are, it's do operational cannabis dispensaries. So Networking was a huge part of fundraising. To date, I've kind of paid for everything myself. And the goal is after this provisional license that I'll take a loan so I can keep 100% ownership. So that's the nice thing. I think a lot of people in the industry have had to give up a lot of equity, especially equity applicants. The state mandates that we have to have 51% and a lot of investors try to max out and they want the 49. So finding the right people, figuring out who to trust, knowing when you're in a deal with a shark, it's you learn a lot. So yeah, it's been tricky, but I've had um, a bunch of different offers and a few that I'm considering and hopefully we'll lock in in the next week. So 
Dr. Robin, how are you advising her on this part? You're like, you know, you're like the wise woman like me. We're trying to bring up the next generation. And I do think this is a this is sort of a generational wealth issue, this idea that we can build our own businesses and that a lot of the equity is being taken away. I kind of see this across the board. So, you know, this is very important and it's very important. So how are you advising her? Oh, it is. It is very important. And so she comes and just kind of bounces things off of me. And, you know, I share with her whether or not I think it's uh, practical or if she should keep looking and is that too much to give away? And, you know, have you talked thought about other investors? Do you want to do all women? Do you want to do black? Do you want to give it a mix and just be patient? It's be hard patient. to be patient. It is. It is. It is. It's hard to scream in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but again, it is. So like, so we're in Boston, more and more recreational adult use stores are starting to open up and you're just going to be, I mean, we'll just talk about your, your shop. So you're going to be a one, um, one up one store. Is that how it's starting? Yep. So we're going to start with just the retail. I'd like to do delivery down the line, but the city of Boston is hashing some things out. And then if I can, I'll do it there or I'll look elsewhere. But my focus, since I'm still building my team, is to get this up and running, get a name out there, a brand out there. There's not a lot of branding in this state. So that's something we want to do different. So our brand name is the Heritage Club. Our idea yeah, let's, is talk, let's, talk, let's talk about yeah, let's talk about like how you came up with the name, where it is, and that sort of part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So the Heritage Club is the name and it kind of came to me when I was talking to friends about something. I wanted it to be memorable. I wanted it to be something that you would think of when you think of wine because it's old and it has like these taste profiles, all of these things. But I also wanted to speak to the social um, social aspect of it, which is giving back. So where we're from is where we give back. And that's our motto. And the history of the war on drugs. How does that tie in? The heritage of marijuana in this country, the war on drugs the black and brown communities affected. And then I'm from Boston. I love Boston. So 617heritage.com is our website. I love being from Boston. And that's why I was adamant and chose Boston as a location. If I had chosen somewhere in the suburbs, a little further out, maybe an hour to two hours outside of Boston, I probably would be open by now. But I stick, I stuck with it and <laughs> I made it in Boston, which is exciting. The other and, thing- and what, and what neighborhood are you going to be in? Where are you going to be? We'll, we'll be in Charlestown. So- Okay. Right on the edge and the um, edge of Boston between Somerville, Medford, Everett, right there. Yep. And did you go up? Where, where was your what part of Boston? So I grew up in Dorchester and then in Brookline, and now I'm back in Dorchester. And it's good to be kind of back in this community while I go through this because it's definitely been a polarizing experience. So the big pushback that I got during this process is that being from Dorchester did not mean that I was like from Boston as a whole. It kind of broke Boston into these sub neighborhoods and being in real estate, the sub neighborhoods are part of a a history of racism in real estate. So hearing that kind of idea being pushed by the community, by politicians, it was really rough. So it's kind of nice being back where where I'm from. That's interesting. So, So I have a housing background. So I understand, you know, like the urban policy of Boston and your mom knows this very well. I mean, we literally... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> put red lines around certain neighborhoods in our community and we're Jewish. My family had boots in Dorchester at some point and Roxbury, but there was this whole transition where our city made these neighborhoods and then took a lot of resources out. And then these neighborhoods were devastated in many other ways, in addition to the war on drugs. So that's right. So you, you've seen sort of the change. So I'm wondering, I, I, for your community, are you, are, relig- are you religious people? Cause this is one of the issues with like going to the church. Yes. Yeah, we are. Yes. Right, so is that something you've been involved with in your in your neighborhood? I mean, I can even ask your mom. I mean, this is a 
I, I think this is a very hard transition for people to understand that this product is going to be good and healthy for our neighborhoods. And that's why we're bringing it back in because the whole history has been so devastating, really. And I think it would be hard for me to have that mind shift. So what are you doing with your own community in terms of, because this is health and wellness. We all understand this. How are you, how are you helping to explain that this is going to heal communities, inhale people? I can ask you, Dr. Reed, uh, Dr. Robin. Yeah, this is something that Nikki at at her foundation had wanted to include community education and resources about cannabis and its use. And even in the hearings with the community, there was a lot of concerns about safety and crime related to cannabis and that kind of a public health issue as opposed to a personal health. And so we had to address all of those concerns and to, as you're doing, eliminate some of the myths around it. You know, there's still a lot that we don't know because we've not been allowed to do the research. Right. You know, it's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, you can't say it's bad. You can't say even how good it is. But certainly we know it's probably better than alcohol. And uh, so some of the safety issues, we were able to cite articles for them where they've shown that when a dispensary own, opens, there's less crime there's less opioid use. There's a lot of positive things that happen when we open dispensaries. And, and Nikki in particular, not only wants to do the community education, but individual education. So when somebody comes in and is exploring that they have the information they need to make selections. That is very important. I feel like when I go to, and I'm in the industry and I feel like there's, it's, it's very overwhelming to me. And many of these dispensaries are still very, they're not, I mean, for women at some, like women my age and older, it's just, it, it still feels uncomfortable and you're not sure that you're getting the right product and you're still trying to navigate a world that feels a little uncomfortable. So there continues a stigma. So what do you, I guess I can, what are you doing specifically? Maybe this, because this has been a discussion amongst women's groups. Like what are you doing to make the dispensary feel welcoming? What is going to be philosophy? How's it going to look when you walk? The, how it looks is a huge issue now. There's like, that's a whole nother industry of like the casing and the colors and like, farmhouse neutral or I mean I don't know there's also (laughs) design style so how where are you in this process yeah Nikki do you yeah so I'm working with an interior designer from Anna Donahue Interiors which is exciting to work with other women-owned businesses but we're using a hot pink when you walk in so we'll start there we want something (laughs) different it's not about being green I think that idea that that's weed that's the only thing it is is green and all these green logos we wanted to shy away from that the only secret thing about weed in our lo- in our name is THC, our initials, but the Heritage Club, which carries, I feel like, more of like an inviting place, like a country club of cannabis where you can come in and um, find really quality products. We're also going to have a consult room so mm. you can have a private conversation. I don't want to be at the, like when you go to CVS to pick up your prescription and you're saying what you're, what you're picking up, the person's looking at you funny or you, that's what you think, right? You're or like or some, you're screaming, I need my daughter's <laughs> pills. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, exactly. And you don't get to say like, oh, I can't sleep or I'm stressed. I have anxiety, <laughs> like what's really going on. So I think inviting that conversation, a lot of my friends who smoke a lot or just use cannabis a lot have explained that whether it's in Colorado or California, they felt, or even here in Massachusetts, the dispensaries kind of churn them out. It doesn't seem like there's an invitation to have a conversation. And that is a mistake because once people are educated, they want different products. They, they feel more adventurous and want to try new things. So we're going to definitely foster conversation when you come in. That's great. And so is it, are you going to have, um, so you're going to have a consult room? How is the, um, 
Do you still are you on a first floor? How is it is it gonna be a first floor or does it have any basement? I don't are there, I don't know what the rules are in Boston in terms of what you can have. Yep. So it's first floor and you walk in and you can either you can do pickup or you can order and talk to somebody. We want it to be for everybody's needs, whatever is most efficient. So if you want to come in and pick up and leave, you can do that. But if you want to have a conversation, we're going to have a line set up for that specifically. And hopefully people take us up on that because I think it will teach them a lot about the products, the terpenes. It's not just indica, sativa, all the things that people need to know and how much CBD, what percentage THC, all of those conversations that we want to have with customers. So um, Dr. Robin, you seem to be about my age. So are you talking to your friends? Like, you know, I always say women my age and older, we know the least, we can use it the most. And because this is new to me too, I'm not like a lifelong consumer. I wasn't always a cannabis advocate. This is sort of new. So I always feel like I'm learning as well. So that's how I feel like I can relate to other people. So what are you telling people, your friends or people you're meeting about what your daughter's doing and like what kind of things that they could expect to engage in when they like, if they enter this world of cannabis and CBD and all that? Oh, yes. It's definitely a conversation among friends and people that I mean, anybody who's interested in integrative medicine, actually, it has to be part of the botanical conversation. So but um, with friends and family, you know, I definitely they they ask, what is she doing? Is she scared? And and what about you? Are you going to lose your license? And (laughs) oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. So we have a range of conversations and some friends are more adventurous and really want to find out about it and use it and some are already using it and other the fence and turning I would say they're turning and then others are still very conservative and and feel like it's wrong until the federal government tells us it's right you, know? you, have, you have the full range that's interesting and what do you like so I say the stories are what help people change their minds and again a lot of the women I'm interviewing have been very sick. I'm not sure you've seen this. They've been on that um, downward spiral through that rabbit hole. They get on one medication, which causes another medication, you know, and then they're on this situation where they have many medications and they still don't feel good and they're desperate. And that's when they find cannabis and that's when they become evangelized. So are you, I mean, you're in the medical field. Are you trying to talk to people about this is an option on the first line of defense, as opposed to being the last thing that we try because we're desperate? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we should be considering it earlier. And that's because the side effects are few. You know, we do choose medications like almost like that, even though they have serious side effects. But cannabis has very few. So we should be considering it early, knowing that other things or other options are available down the line. So yeah, and there are more and more stories of success that, you know, can help people understand how it's used and how it really does heal. And and are you finding your colleagues are being open to this? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you have the range there too. Yeah. You still have other physicians that consider those of us who believe in this as fringe. We're called fringe doctors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think there's more and more acceptance that it does have a role. Where it first got accepted was in cancer therapy, you know. Right. It's really used a lot there. And then with epilepsy. And so there's been more indications that it really is has a therapeutic benefit. I mean, I've had a couple of nurses who work in cancer wards come on to say that they can tell who's using cannabis when they're getting the chemotherapy because they look good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have family members who have survived breast cancer and, and had asthma and a lot of pain and ended up with a little convincing, ended up trying it and said it's great. Wish they had had it before. 
All right. Well, so we are, you're on a like serious mission here because again, we um, are unhealthy. We're very unhealthy. There's so many things about us that are unhealthy. And this is a plant that's involved in making a hundred years. We've lived in a hundred years of like an anomaly. Literally we are in the anomaly and now we're coming back. And I like to see women coming back because we are the caregivers. This plant is a caregiver and that to build this culture, it's a new business culture. I'm hoping will be built around this idea that we are caring and kind and we're going to heal each other and that's <laughs> <laughs> so um, all right so nikki so do you have any of your friends who are going to be like from northeastern who are like oh my goodness i didn't know that you're into cannabis who like are coming out and telling you their stories or their, whatever oh yeah stuff you didn't know before yeah so definitely a lot of people reaching out and a lot of people who are interested in learning who i think surprisingly for my age group i thought everyone would be on board there are still people my age who are like "Ooh." That's, I'm not sure I want to like be involved in that space. So I kind of didn't expect to, I think it's also a lot of my friends who from business school are now working in finance because it's federally regulated. I think there is that stigma around it. So I think something when that changes, I think a lot of people will come into the space. And I think as far as people coming into the store, even with delivery, I think people like that privacy aspect of going into the store instead of having someone come to their house. So I don't know how many people will, will use delivery once it's up and running fully. But it will I will say during the pandemic, I was a delivery girl. I really? Oh, I except it. you have to, well, you had to wait for it. So like, I'm like, okay, I have no place to go. So I'm just, I'm in the house anyways. But if you actually have a life, it is a exactly. little trickier. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the other thing. So it is, but I think as more delivery operators open up, um, think it'll be quicker. It'll be more on demand, kind of like Drizzly with the alcohol delivery and everything else that we can get on demand, like food. Yeah. I, I mean, just can you explain to people? Because again, it's not like regular delivery because you have to be there. You have to sign off. They have to see in your card. It's not like they can just drop and go. So can yeah, can you just explain to people who might not know what the delivery process looks like? Yeah. So in order to order um, anything online, you have to first register with the dispensary or the platform that's going to deliver it. And they'll put your, um, whatever your ID is, a license, a passport, scan that in, put your home address. You can't have weed delivered to your home if you're living in any federally subsidized housing, if you're on a school campus of any type. So that limits, it needs to be a residential address. You can't have it sent to work. And then, yep, you order it. And then they will deliver it within a time window. So you can usually say if it's, if you order in the morning that you want it in the afternoon or the next day. Yeah. And depending upon the dispensary, they'll pay the delivery fee in some cases and you'll still want to tip your driver or in other cases. Yeah. T- um, that's, a, that's a good, that's a good tip. Just tip your driver. I, yes. I, I, I heard this from other dispensary owners, you know, they're running around the city doing all their stuff and it's just, it's, a, I don't know. I just tip your drivers, people tip them. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And it's just going to make this um, even better so that these these people are getting paid as employees. It's different than the Uber model where they're independent contractors. The states require that they be employees, that there are two of them in the car. So it's not just the person who's coming to you at the door, someone sitting out there making sure everything's secure and everything is, yeah, the way the system works, it's all tracked with metric, the state system with the GPS trackers, where the cars are. So there's a lot of security involved. It's definitely safe and I'm excited that it's here. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's an interest. It comes up. Well, the guys in, uh, in Somerville, they have a white van, so it's not like a big weed truck. I assume. Exactly. <laughs> not all, your, not all your neighbors will know. Nope. It has to be an unmarked car because they don't want you to know who's coming. And yeah, that's funny. All right. So I just need to take a quick break. So we will be back with our guests, Nikki John and Dr. Robin Reed, the dynamic duo behind the Heritage Club in Boston. 
after a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Women in Cannabis Expo being held in Reno, Nevada for three days in September at the Atlantis Casino Resort. Are you a woman looking to enter the cannabis industry? Do you have a unique product or service that pertains to cannabis? Do you have a life-changing story that includes cannabis? Women in Cannabis Expo is the place for you. The organizers are providing a place for women to come together to network to their fullest potential in the cannabis industry. I will be there along with so many of the women I've been speaking with over the past few years. I hope to see you there so we can connect, inspire, and learn together at the Women in Cannabis Expo, September 27, 28, and 29 at the Atlantis Casino Resort in Reno, Nevada. Thank you, Women in Cannabis. All right, we are back with our guest, Nikki John, and her mom, Dr. Robin Reed. So let's just talk about where are you in terms of, I know you've had this property for a long time. You you were talking a little bit about the, the licensing where you are. Can you just like go through it again, just where you are, what your expectations are, and yeah. Yeah, so right now we are submitted fully complete application with the CCC. That's the state commission. Tomorrow is a provisional hearing. So if all goes well, we'll have our provisional license. And that means we can get ready to start building, getting our license from the state, getting a license from the city to open, and then getting permits from ISD. That's the inspections department. So the CCC reviews your plans, make sure that you have all the security checkpoints that you need in place, that everything's going to be safe up to code. And then we build. Once the build out's done, we'll be able to start bringing in product and do a final inspection with the state. And if everything goes really, really well, my goal is December, but it could end up being February that we open our doors. So that's Still the, a little bit of time. Yep. That's the brief timeline. And where are you getting your product from? Yeah. So there's a few companies that I'm really excited to work with. Coast Cannabis. They have, they have a great product, really diverse like ownership as well as product. They have key lime pie <laughs> chocolates. I love key lime pie. So that's yeah. one of the things I'm excited about. And they also sell gummies. We're also looking to work with Sierra Naturals to wholesale some of our flour and a few other wholesalers throughout the state. There's a bunch that I met at NECAN this week, which I'm excited to start working with, but Okay, yeah, so they, you actually you went to, I didn't, so I was supposed to go to NECAN, but I got some family drama, so I didn't end up going there, but like, so were there able to make some good connections? I'm going to ask, how are you finding, how are you finding the distributors or the products that you want? Yeah, so a lot of it is through networking. Everybody is really nice about introducing you to other people in the industry, whether that's your banker, your accountant, HR people, or other wholesalers. They all work together. This is a really small community, so that's really nice. And then there are some people who are licensing products that are from out of state and having them created here by providers that are already in state and licensed. So we're going to have kind of a similar menu to most of the shops where we have a variety of flour, pre-rolls, edibles. And I think edibles is something we're going to have a lot of because I think that's kind of where things are going to be moving in this industry. It'll be really fun to see the different brands. We'll have concentrates, topicals, and then accessories. So sourcing all of those different things. That's a lot to source. It's a lot. It's a lot. And you want to find quality. So starting to tour the facilities where these are made so I can see what they look like and and if these are the right fit. And I also want really cool packaging because who doesn't want something cute? Like you're saying, so you walk in and And, and environment, and not like, okay, the packaging and cannabis makes me crazy. I could do an entire hour on just the packaging. (laughs) Yeah. And some of it that's not very easy to open and it's childproof. And I'm like, I can't believe I can't open this. So (laughs) I think that's something that's really important. We want it to be a good experience even after you leave the store. So that's going to be important. So that's, that's funny. Yeah. The packaging that are not openable, that makes me crazy. My friend who works in packaging says they put in a room with older people and little kids 
and the older people just get frustrated and the kids break it. And some of the, the packaging's <laughs> changing. It's getting it's getting cuter. So I'm excited to see what we have. A lot sleeker, a lot of really cool like aluminum tins. I'm really excited to hopefully carry. So those. Are the aluminum tins recyclable? Is that the deal with the aluminum? Tins? Yep. Oh, yep, wow. and they have those, and um, some of the plastic is, and some of it isn't. We do want eco-friendly options, so um, yeah, we'll find a, a good balance. That's actually good to hear because that is the thing that frustrates me when you get like you know the GB tubes and everything's packaged in eight plastic containers, and it, it just we should be literally we should be leading this industry in compostable, recyclable hemp products. Like, if no one else is going to do it, why aren't we doing it? <laughs> so yeah, all right, that's good to hear. All right, so Dr. Rob, before we finish up, um. What are you hoping, like when your daughter said to you, I want to come into the cannabis industry and you're working in the medical field, like you have like five years out where you think this would be or where she'll be or where you'll be with her? Well, it certainly has been a longer, slower and more challenging process than I expected for, including emotionally, because there was a lot of barriers to Mm -hmm. entry and blocking. So the fact that she's gotten this far, I'm very proud of her. And we hope that in five years, she'll have a second store somewhere serving another neighborhood and opening up job opportunities there too. Again, this is the other thing we don't talk about. This is creating new industries, new jobs, new, it's just everything about this. And, And because it's new, this is why I'm in it. You can create something new. You can create something that looks different from everything else before. So the idea that you are coming into this with a different mission, with a different idea, with a solid background in real estate with some good medical advice on one side and financial support. I feel good about this. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you can teach it. You can teach it at this point. I mean, you know a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. She has a lot to share. One of the things in her mission was in giving back, she wanted to help increase home ownership. So she's tying that back in too with some of the profit that's being made. Yeah, I didn't even ask. Yeah, so is that part of your community? Um, I know you're, with anybody, anybody who's a dispensary, there's always an, a requirement that some kind of community connection, unlike any other business, but because we're in cannabis, so you're working with home ownership. Can you tell a little bit about the Boston Heritage Foundation is the foundation we'll be starting to do this. It's going to be a closing cost assistance program. And the reason I chose that is because a lot of my clients in real estate now have the down payment, but when it comes time to close, there's another five to $10,000 that they need. And even if they're making one hundred fifty dollars to $200,000, that's still a big chunk for them. And I realized if that's the case there at lower income, it's going to be even harder. So how do I help? How do I help people buy a home without restricting them on where they can go? So one question I got was, am I requiring that these people buy in Boston? Boston prices are through the roof. So I want them to buy where they can afford to buy. Generational, generational wealth building, I think real estate's a big stepping stone in that. And I want to create that for my family, but for anyone else that we can also give that to. So that was really important and something we're excited about. We're pledging 150000 at a minimum a year to this. That's a great. Uh, and again, other businesses don't do this. They don't come in and say they're going to help the community and cannabis businesses are in addition to all the other stuff you have to jump through. So good for you, my friend. All right. So that was another great show. Thank you for joining us today, Nikki and Dr. Reed. Anything you want to say, like parting advice, things that help people get in touch with you? Dr. Reed, you go first. I wanted to thank you for having us. This is a great conversation. There's so much for us to share with each other and to learn and grow as this industry grows. So thank you so much for getting the word out there about such a great product. 
Well, thank you for talking and being the person out there talking about it because we need strong women voices out there because we're doing this one story at a time, right? And Nikki, what's the best way for people to reach you? The best way to reach me is 617heritage at gmail.com or 617heritage.com. And thank you for having us. Thanks for creating a platform to empower women in this space and a good conversation for us to continue to have and encourage each other. Thank you. Okay, another show. So for my guests, Nikki John and Dr. Robin Reed and my canabro, David Yaz. Peace. You're quiet today, man. <laughs> Just taking it all in. Just soaking up the knowledge. Uh, and our Canamom show team, Catherine and Hayden, another great job this week. Week, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canamom show where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry. One canna story at a time. Thank you for following and subscribing and sharing all the amazing canna stories of women building this new industry so together we can crush that stigma around cannabis and caregiving. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canna Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.